What's going on, everyone? Welcome into the PFN Fantasy Football Podcast. My name is Kyle Yates, and I'm your host. I can be found on Twitter at KyleYNFL. I'm joined here today by Derek Tate. He can be found on, De- on Twitter at Derek Tate NFL. Derek, how are we doing today, buddy? You know, slowly getting there. We're almost in March, which means we're on the cusp of the NFL Combine. We're on the cusp of the start of free agency. We're already kind of hearing some whispers about things that are going to happen, things that may not happen, uh, players that may potentially be available. So it's an exciting time of year. We don't have much to get excited about during the offseason, but free agency, the NFL Combine kind of gets my gears going a little bit when it comes to the NFL offseason. Oh, 100%. I was thinking about this too as I was doing some work earlier today. Like, I'm thinking about Michael Pittman Jr. on my dynasty roster sitting there and like, oh, what if he hits free agency? What if he, what if the Chiefs find a way to make it work now, right? Like, there's just sort of these, all these explanations and sort of scenarios that can play out from a dynasty standpoint. That's the really fun part of this offseason. You mentioned the NFL Combine here. Coming up later on this week, I did want to pause and talk through that a little bit. Four players that, dynasty managers that are just starting to turn back in, they're kind of getting their uh, their heads turned towards the NFL draft. Who are who is a player or who are some players that you are keeping an eye on here at the NFL Combine that you either have questions about that you hope to have answered here with athletic testing or you think people should be paying attention to? So I really am intrigued to see the overall performance of Lad McConkie. He was somebody that had a really nice week by all by most accounts over at the Senior Bowl. And he was a problem to deal with in uh, in one-on-one drills, which is something that I'm not shocked. You know, there's kind of three phases where a receiver can win, right? It's either at the line of scrimmage in their release package, um, at the top of the route with their route running, and at the catch point. And in my opinion, Lad McConkey does two of the first three at a pretty hard, pretty high level. Um, I really like his release package. Super quick, super sudden. Love his footwork. Uh, very deceptive at, at the top of the stem of his route. So, but I want to see what's those athletic metrics look like, right? Like what's the testing numbers? Because I see a lot of quick twitch ability and suddenness in his game, and I want to see how that translates. And what is his top speed? Because while he did some things vertically over at Georgia, I'm kind of curious, is he going to run in the four fours or is he going to be a low four or five guy? Just kind of curious to see where he lands metrics and testing wise, uh, because he's somebody that's, I'm having a hard time not moving up in my rankings Uh, and a good combine performance could certainly even bump him up a little bit farther. Yeah, that was going to be my main question was like, if Lad McConkey, the wide receiver out of Georgia does run in the four fours, is he someone that you really don't have many questions about? And you say this guy might end up going in the first round of the NFL draft and therefore it's probably going to be a top five dynasty wide receiver in this class. So I, I think most folks agree that there's a, a top tier with the top three names, right? And But then after that, it gets it gets really subjective. And there's a lot of really good players, and I think it's going to have a lot with where these guys land as far as NFL draft capital is just what the team needs are. Do you need a, an explosive outside X receiver? Okay, you're probably going like Brian Thomas Jr. Do you need a guy who can win in the slot? Maybe Lad McConkey submits that he's the first of that archetype to be taken uh, when NFL draft season rolls around. So, yeah, I I think he's kind of moving up in that second, third tier for me, uh, depending on, you know, if you give Marvin Harrison Jr. his own tier. But certainly he is somebody who, with a great combine performance, 
I think can start for me aggressively getting into like the end of first round rookie drafts. Um, that's how high I am on him and, and saw on tape a lot of things that I think translate well to the NFL. You mentioned that top three tier. And for me, one of the players that I'm looking forward to watching, or at least I have questions about, and I'm hoping that the NFL Combine can help shape and form my opinion of, is Romo Dunze. Now, Romo Dunze, from a talent perspective, I mean, one of the most reliable receivers in this draft class, hauls in everything thrown his way. Quick twitch at the line of scrimmage can absolutely feast underneath. And you talk about a Keenan Allen type role or an Amon Ross St. Brown role, even being extended a little bit further down the line of scrimmage. Like, I think that he could absolutely feast in that. The question that I have for Romo Dunze is he has the footwork, he has the quick twitch to be able to create separation at the line of scrimmage. Now, does he have the true top-end athleticism to be able to get on top of that defender and then be able to keep them at a point where he can then manipulate the route from there? That is my main question. When the pads are on for Romo Dunze, for me to push him into the top 10 of the NFL draft and a clear top three wide receiver in this class. If he can run in the four fours, if he can run in the four threes at 215 pounds, like we've got that answered for me. That is a check. He's going to be a top three wide receiver for me. If he runs in the four fives, then that might be a situation where I may be comfortable keeping him at wide receiver four in this class, class, which I currently have him. And then Troy Franklin at wide receiver three, the wide receiver out of Oregon. Absolutely loved what Franklin can bring to the table. So I'm watching both of those guys Can Troy Franklin truly check that box? Can he run in the high four twos? Can he run in the low four threes? I think he easily can. And can Romo Dunze put himself into the conversation? Even though he has the track background, I have some concerns about that true top end athleticism and that deep gear downfield. Your thoughts there? So when it comes to Troy Franklin, there's certainly the vertical aspect of his game is there. So I expect him to run very well. I would not be surprised at all if he runs, you know, mid to low four threes, if not cracking four two. Now that would be that would be something. Um, but you know, Odunze, if he runs in the four fives, I'd I'd be a little bit surprised. Even he, I, he's carrying what two hundred and fifteen pounds. Yep. That's what we're thinking his frame is. Uh, at least that's what he was listed at at Washington, and he does have a track background. But there were some times with creating consistent separation uh, and stacking DBs, is he going to be able to threaten teams vertically consistently? And I do hope that he runs as fast as I expect him to run. I think he's going to be probably mid to low four fours. But, you know, certainly with that frame, there are he's got to I got to see it to believe it because right. they're certainly on the field. Uh, Franklin moves at, and operates at a different speed than someone like Odunze, but he also weighs 30 pounds less. Yeah. And let me and let me be clear, like for Romo Odunze, I think that he is a phenomenal wide receiver and I think that he's going to produce in the NFL. This comes down to truly a value standpoint. And where do you take this guy in the NFL draft? Because right. if he runs in the four fives, I'm sorry, but NFL teams are not going to take him within the top 10. A lot of the comps for his size are DeAndre Hopkins, Amari Cooper, like players in that range. And where did those guys go? Amari Cooper's a little bit of a different, he ran a little bit quicker, but like DeAndre Hopkins, right, is the the comp for his size. Like DeAndre went in the second round. Like these guys did not go within the top 10. So that is the thing to keep in mind here for Romo. And just that question that I want answered. It's not that I am truly doubting or hating on Romo Dunze. People are going to hear that I don't have him at wide receiver three and they're going to freak out. It's like, I just have a question. I want that to be answered here and maybe we'll get that answer or not. We'll be able to react to that as we come out of the NFL combine. 
We're in dynasty season, baby. So let's get right into a Do dynasty it. startup mock draft here. We're gonna run through a super flex mock here on the show. We're gonna go 18 rounds here, buddy. We are going to go deep Ooh. in this one. We're running this over on sleeper. We got 12 teams here. Uh, like I said, it is a super flex format. So let's kick this off. I'm drafting from the seven spot. You're drafting from the turn at the 12 spot. You ready to get this underway? Let's, I mean, let's go because super flex, I'm sitting at 112. If I decide to pass on a quarterback with one of these two picks, we'll see where it goes. And I'm going to turn my, my notifications off. I apologize. <laughs> there we go. There we go. All right. So very interesting here. It, we have quarterbacks going off the board with the first six picks. If you are listening to this over on the podcast, make sure that you jump over to YouTube, youtube.com slash at PFN fantasy. You're going to be able to see this draft board play out. Not going to be able to run through every single pick here. So Jalen Hurts, Patrick Mahomes, Joe Burrow, Josh Allen, CJ Stroud, Lamar Jackson make up the first six picks here. Now, very interesting because I thought that for sure one of the wide receivers would go off the board and Justin yeah. Jefferson, Jamar Chase, CeeDee Lamb. They did not. So as I look at the quarterback position here, I'm now faced with Justin Herbert, Anthony Richardson, Trevor Lawrence, Dak Prescott, Kyler Murray as the top quarterbacks on the board. I absolutely want to walk out of one of the top two rounds, at least with a quarterback. I'm going to I'm going to go a little bit of a different direction here. Let's see how this plays out. Again, mock drafts are for this this strategy to play out different scenarios and see how it works out. I'm going to go with Justin Jefferson here at the 1-7. Even though we do have questions about Kirk Cousins potentially leaving in free agency here this offseason, we know the talent level of Justin Jefferson and what he brings to the table. Let's see if the other teams here follow suit and go with some of the skill position players pushing down the value of that quarterback that I can get potentially in the second round here. So Justin Jefferson goes off the board at the 1-7. Jamar Chase, C.D. Lamb, Justin Herbert, Brees Hall. You're now on the clock at the one twelve. Yeah, and going Justin Jefferson at any point in the first round of any startup draft in Dynasty formats, you can't really argue with it. Um, but it is something where now quarterbacks have gotten pushed down the board with, you know, Jamar Chase, C.D. Lamb, Brees Hall going in four of the next five selections. So now the way I look at it, I've got to wait 23 picks after I make these two selections. And if I do not get my quarterbacks, I don't know what's going to be there at that position when it gets back around to me. When I'm trying to build out the roster construction and my foundation of my team, you know, unless I'm able to trade out of the first round or something like that and get a bunch of like rookie picks or other you know, draft capital down the board. I am trying to invest heavily at the, at the quarterback position and I'm going to do so with Anthony Richardson and you can mix up these two guys. You know, it doesn't really matter who I select first or second Trevor Lawrence, Anthony Richardson are going to be the core foundation of my Superflex dynasty team. And I'm in love with it, but we'll have to see how I'm going to make up ground at the other positions. Yeah, no, I think being able to have Trevor Lawrence as like your QB one is a little bit of a risky scenario. Anthony Richardson also as your true QB one is a risky scenario because we just don't know what's going to play out there. But to sort of mitigate that risk and have both of them on your roster, I think is a really, really interesting strategy. We'll see how that plays out for you again as we come back around. So I am here now on the clock at the two six. No other quarterbacks went off the board. Bijan Robinson, Amon Ross St. Brown, Jameer Gibbs, AJ Brown. I'm on the clock at the 2-6. Dak Prescott, Kyler Murray, Justin Fields, Brock Purdy are the top quarterbacks staring me in the face here. Let me just go over and make sure that I'm not missing a skill position player. Christian McCaffrey would be <laughs> very, very tempting here. Garrett Wilson, Tyreek Hill. I would love to have Puka Nakua. I would love to have any of them on my roster, but not going to let myself go a whole other round without getting a quarterback here. Justin Fields is really, really interesting, man. I really, really am tempted to go with Fields here because I don't think that 
even if his time in Chicago comes to an end, it's not like he's going to be Trey Lance, right? Where he's going to end up as the third quarterback somewhere or the backup. Like he's going to be a starting quarterback somewhere else in the NFL. And he's going to get multiple chances because of that trade. However, Dak Prescott, what he did here from a fantasy standpoint in this offense with Mike McCarthy, if they get a running game going too with, you know, upgrading over Tony Pollard, in free agency, they bring in a Josh Jacobs or whoever that may be. I think that we could see this offense truly even take another step forward. I'm going to go Dak Prescott here. He's on the verge of getting that long-term contract extension as well. And that is like my first share, quote-unquote, of Dak Prescott uh, in fantasy here for quite a while. <laughs> we'll, we'll see how this looks as we get to the end of the draft. All right, then multiple names going off the board, of course, uh, around that turn. Make sure that you're going over to YouTube where you can see the full draft board play out. Back on the clock at the 3-7, we had Kyler Murray, Justin Fields, Brock Purdy, Jordan Love go off the board as quarterbacks. Now looking at Tua Tungavailoa, Jared Goff, Deshaun Watson, Bryce Young, Kirk Cousins. We will see what that looks like based on when I look at the wide receivers. Nico Collins, Devontae Smith, Michael Pittman Jr., DJ Moore, Drake London. Ooh, DJ Moore is very, very tempting here. Um, I'm going to go... It normally would be Nico Collins here without even hesitation, but I wonder if they do bring in a top name wide receiver mm. in free agency this offseason and Nico's kind of pushed to that 1B and just take this offense to a whole other level. So I, I do have concerns there. Devontae Smith is already in that situation. I'm going to go with the true locked in wide receiver one. Let's hope that Anthony Richardson, from your sake and my sake, can truly take another step forward. I'm going to go Michael Pittman Jr. here, lock yes. him up, and we'll see what quarterbacks come back to me when we're at the 4-6. You're on the clock here at the 3-12. Yeah, no, I was wondering what direction you were going to go with it. I figured you were probably going to go with the wide receiver position, which makes sense because now I've already got my two quarterbacks locked up, which takes a lot of stress off of me uh, yep. as far as Superflex Dynasty League. I want to get those two young pillars. The other position I want to invest in, Yates, and I believe you're kind of in agreement with me with two out of your first three picks, is the wide receiver position, right? So, and you got to start three receivers on a weekly basis, which means I am going to kind of pivot here. And rookies are included in this mock that we're doing. Now, you can make an argument, maybe he's not going to fall this far uh, if you were to do a startup dry, uh, dynasty draft today. But I am going to go with a guy that I think is a, is a can't-miss prospect, and that is Marvin Harrison Jr. Uh, and you can even make a case that Malik Neighbors should be the next pick right here, right now. Uh, if I want to kind of build out the rest of my dynasty team um, with a young core and guys that I think the arrow is pointing up on. But I also kind of like Drake London. and. Yeah. The change there in Atlanta, I know that we have a quarterback question about what's going to be under center for the Atlanta Falcons uh, in 2024 and beyond. But assuming that they're pretty aggressive and they decide to bring in somebody who I think is going to be an upgrade over Taylor Heineke or Desmond Ritter from last year and a whole different change of offensive philosophy uh, with Zach Robinson over as the offensive coordinator from the Los Angeles Rams who made not one but two wide receivers pretty darn productive, including one in Puka Nakua, who I don't think has the prospect profile of Drake London. So I, I like Marvin Harrison Jr. and Drake London to kind of build out the core of my wide receiver position. Yeah, I mean, the, the potential could be through the roof if you get Marvin Harrison Jr. landing with a solid quarterback and Drake London getting a quarterback upgrade here this offseason. Man, that could be a devastating wide receiver duo. I'm here at the 4-6. You mentioned that rookies are included here. Now, I wanted to talk about this because this presents a very interesting scenario for fantasy managers that are going into a dynasty startup draft here very, very soon. 
Sleeper's ADP is not reflective yet of where these rookies should be valued. So kind of in in this middling ground that presents a unique advantage to to dynasty managers that are thinking ahead. So you can get some of these wide receivers like Marvin Harrison Jr. at the 312. Guess what? After the NFL draft, Marvin Harrison Jr. is going in the second round. Easy. Malik Neighbors in that territory as well. We're in a super flex format. Caleb Williams is still here on the board for me at the 4-6. I'm going to quote unquote cheat here, but it is not cheating based on the ADP. I'm going to go Caleb Williams at the 4-6. Very, very excited about what he can be in the NFL. I was talking with you about this off uh, off camera, but I mean, Caleb Williams, if he can land in a solid and stable environment, not a top tier environment, just solid and stable, a decent offensive line in front of him, and he can continue to develop, man, what he can do within the next two to three years in the NFL is going to be absolutely insane. The sky is the limit for Caleb Williams. I'm a big, big fan getting him here at the 4-6. Let's see if we can... Oh, at the 5-7, let's see if we can kind of play to the system as well. Malik Neighbors is available on the clock. We'll see. I'll come back to him in a second here as I've got some time. Let's make sure that I'm not missing anyone crazy at the running back position before I go after the wide receiver because I can also wait another round because the unless you're going to snipe me on Malik Neighbors, but you've also got two wide receivers. <laughs> I'm going to go to the running back position here. I'm going to go Isaiah Pacheco and at least get one of these top 10 running backs in my dynasty rankings. Now, you look at the names at the running back position here, and it gets gross really, really quickly. I mean, you're looking at Rashad White. Rashad White is a top 12 running back, and there is a very strong potential that Rashad White is not even the lead running back in Tampa Bay next season. It's just a volume play for White. He didn't show anything from an efficiency standpoint to give you confidence. Then it's Josh Jacobs, 26, going into free agency. We don't know. 26 years old, excuse me, going into free agency. We don't know what he's going to be. DeAndre Swift, Alvin Kamara, Najee Harris, Tajay Spears, David Montgomery. These are the top names at the running back position. And there are a lot of teams in this draft right now that do not have a running back. So this is going to dry up pretty quickly. I at least wanted to get a guy that I feel confident with moving forward. Isaiah Pacheco as my running back one. And we'll backfill that position later on. You're on the clock here at the 512. What are you thinking? Yeah, no, there's uh, going that direction with Isaiah Pacheco was one that I was certainly considering. Now it kind of puts because there are all these rookies being pushed down the board according to the sleeper ADP. I'm just going to end up in, with an entire team of rookies if I continue to kind of push that button. I am going to hit hit that button one more time though because I look, I love both of these guys, and we did our Superflex Dynasty draft with Mason Dodd of Flock Fantasy over on the Fantasy uh, or, or on the PFN Fantasy YouTube channel. Go ahead and check out that episode. And when I was on the clock with the 105 i had a really hard time making a decision between brock bowers and malik neighbors in this situation they both fall to me so i'm gonna go back to back (laughs) so you know and and i think that there's a a top tier right now uh that is six players deep in superflex dynasty drafts and since I've already got my two quarterbacks locked up, that's why I'm not going to go with Jaden Daniels or or Drake May right now because personally I like Anthony Richardson and Trevor Lawrence a little bit more um, at the quarterback position. But if I can get two guys that, you know, I think Brock Bowers has a ceiling of tight end one. I think he's the best tight end prospect coming out of the NFL draft that I've ever seen. And then Malik Neighbors would be a wide receiver one uh, in most recent drafts if Marvin Harrison Jr., was not in this draft. So the fact that I can get, you know, all three of those guys on my roster, yeah, I'm cheating a little bit, but the other guys that I was considering taking, 
I don't want more than those two guys to build my foundation around. All right. On the clock here at the six, six <laughs> and man, I'm telling you like this Debo Samuel, George Pickens, Mike Evans, Cooper cup are the top names at wide receiver. And I'm like, man, I just don't feel confident in mm-hmm. taking really any of them to be like cornerstone pieces. Then I look at the running back position. It's Rashad white still Deandre Swift, Alvin Kamara. I might just go and get my running back position kind of squared away here. Uh, I'm tempted by David Montgomery. I think that he's going to be incredibly productive here, even if Jameer Gibbs takes another step forward as far as volume. I think David Montgomery is still going to be a very, very viable fantasy option for uh, fantasy managers. I'm going to go a little swing for the fences here. Let's go with Ty J Spears. Ty J Spears running back mm. for the Tennessee Titans. Let's see if he can take over this clear running back one role for the Titans with Derrick Henry, presumably leaving in free agency. Spears has the talent. I mean, you. I loved his two-lane tape, and we saw the efficiency play out this past year when he did get the opportunity. We talked. We made the joke. We talked about Tyshay Spears pretty much every single week on the Waiver Wire podcast, right? It's like, you got to pick this guy because he can be incredibly productive if he gets the opportunity. Just never really got that with Derrick Henry. I'm excited to see what he can do and see what this offseason plays out as. And Tyshay Spears, I mean, I, it's a big gamble because what happens if Tennessee drafts a running back or mm-hmm. signs one in free agency that that's sitting out there for a super cheap contract, right? Then Spears isn't going to be the clear running back one. Definitely a gamble here, but one that I'm willing to take at the 6-6. Six, six. All right, at the 7-7, seven, seven, I'm back on the clock looking at the quarterbacks that are available, looking at grabbing that quarterback three because, I mean, we saw this too. This has been my philosophy, and I want to hear your thoughts on this. This has been my philosophy in Superflex is like, as once we get to that seventh, eighth round, I really want to get a quarterback three onto my roster and really just build up that depth because quarterbacks are currency in Superflex formats. The value that they hold is incredibly valuable. So even if I don't need that quarterback, if an injury happens, I can trade them away for way more than what I spent in a seventh or eighth round pick. Based on this past year, This is a situation where I am absolutely going to load up on quarterback depth based on how many injuries happen, kind of playing to over the past couple years, we've seen a lot of injuries to the quarterback position. I'm going to go Baker Mayfield here. Baker Mayfield, the resurgence that he had uh, this year in Tampa Bay was just absolutely phenomenal. And so I'm excited to see what the future holds for him. We don't know if he's going to be back in Tampa this next year, but if he hits free agency, hits the open market and Atlanta goes after him, right? Atlanta goes after him with Drake London, Bijan Robinson, Kyle Pitts. We could absolutely see him take a whole other step forward too from a fantasy perspective. So Baker Mayfield as my quarterback three at the seven, seven, you're on the clock here at the seven twelve. Boy, oh boy, that is something to be able to get. How far things have come for Baker Mayfield right. in, in just a year over year. Uh, incredible. No, I but I understand the pick. Um, so I'm going to try to stop cheating. And <laughs> I'm going to go ahead. And this is around the point where if you've already built your young foundation, I think it's good to be able to sprinkle in some veteran options. If they've really slipped down the board yep. uh, and obviously – Placing a premium on trying to build out youth on your roster uh, makes sense in a dynasty format, but you don't want to overdo it where you don't have a floor or any quality depth because ultimately the goal in all of fantasy football is to hoist your championship trophy. I mean, you're not playing just to, you know, build a young team and say, oh man, you know, in five years, uh, they're going to be great. You know, you have to have some quality depth uh, filled out with veterans and, a guy like Terry McLaurin is still a guy that is a quality option at wide receiver. 
I think he's about to probably get an upgrade at the quarterback position. I think that I have more confidence in Cliff Kingsbury than I do Eric Bieniemy as a play caller. Um, so I, I'm kind of happy with Terry McLaurin. He's still, what, only 27 years old, or he just turned, turned 28 not too long ago. But still, a couple years worth of production, I'll be able to live with that. Uh, eventually, I do have to address the running back position now because <laughs> I still don't have a running back. Uh, but it's hard to justify investing at the running back position at times when there's other competent options uh, available at wide receiver or available at quarterback or, you know, you can get a, still get a stud tight end at times. Um, and, and in that regard, I still see some names that I really, really like at the wide receiver position uh, that I think are going to give me a couple years worth of wide receiver two type value. So I'm going to go with Amari Cooper. Um, yeah. I believe that the Cleveland Browns passing offense showed flashes. Amari Cooper definitely showed flashes at points. And I still think he's going to be the alpha target earner there in Cleveland for probably the next two years. And if Deshaun Watson, you know, is able to ever get anywhere near what we saw during his days in Houston, then Amari Cooper can certainly pump out a couple solid more years. And I'm just going to have to wait on the running back position. But uh, when you see guys like Terry McLaurin and Amari Cooper available in the seventh and eighth round of your dynasty startup, <laughs> and you kind of know what you're getting, I'm okay making pulling the uh, you know pulling the lever at that point. Yeah, and and I like that strategy too. Of you went with a lot of unproven, right? Marvin Harrison Jr., Drake London, Malik Neighbors. Like those are incredibly, incredibly talented wide receivers. I mean, from a talent perspective, are top five talents as soon as they step foot in the NFL. But incredibly unproven as far as what they can be in the NFL and uncertain quarterback situations with Drake London. So you balance that out a little bit here with Terry McLaurin and Amari Cooper and two these there's two additional flex spots in this league as well, not just the super flex. So you're able to start a lot of those wide receivers. You're building out that depth. I don't hate that decision. I'm going to go, I'm going to go to the running back position here because I'm going to zig a little bit while you're zagging, because I think that the wide receiver value is going to be better for you know, the later rounds here in a dynasty, there are going to be a lot of these dart throws that I can throw. Whereas the running back depth, once we get into the 13th round is going to be non-existent. So one of the players that I'm really, really intrigued with here to go and acquire a lot this off season. I talked about this when I was over with Heath Cummings over at CBS fantasy, did a spot with them this past week, Javante Williams, Javante Williams is still 20, only 23 years old and has been in the league for a couple years. Now we've seen the talent and what he can be when he is fully healthy we need to remember this guy was coming off of a devastating injury this past year, and we have seen a long track record of players not fully being themselves the year that they return, the year after they return from an injury. The second year is when we really start to see them get back to true full form. Javante Williams, the talent is 100% there, only 23 years old. So even if it doesn't happen here in Denver, he's going to hit the free agent market in a couple years and can go play somewhere else, and NFL teams are going to be very, very intrigued to bring him in because of that talent level. I think that he is 100% worth scooping up uh, everywhere that I can this offseason, and especially as my running back three, where ideally I don't have to rely on him. But if Tajay Spears doesn't play out, it, I at least have Javante Williams as a clear running back one on his team, even sure. if that upside might not be there. So I will go with Javante Williams here, and if he bounces back, man, I'm really, really excited to see what he can do. At the 9-7, back on the clock here, I've got my quarterbacks kind of squared away here with three of them. I've only got two wide receivers, so let's go back to the wide receiver board, and let's take advantage of this little cheat code here. I'm going to go <laughs> uh, I'm gonna go a little bit further down. Roy, uh, Rome Odunze is still there, but I'm going to go Troy Franklin here. Uh, I talked about that difference. 
Torrey Franklin, for me, wide receiver out of Oregon, is a cross between, as far as roles, Will Fuller as a true deep threat and compares size-wise very, very similarly to Will Fuller. I think he's going to run around the same that Will Fuller did at the Combine. Uh, and then a mix between Will Fuller and Jalen Waddle. As far as the what Jalen Waddle can do underneath, being able to take that slant and be able to take it to the house, those quick underneath routes, we haven't really seen that from Waddle over the past year or so since Tyreek Hill joined the team. But Troy Franklin, I think he's going to step onto the field and contribute right, right away. I have some concerns about his ability to beat press man coverage, but I see the foundations there. So I think just a little bit of refinement and coaching, and he can absolutely take that to the whole other level. I'm going to go Troy Franklin here as my wide receiver three at the 9-7. Yeah. You're on the clock at the 9-12. Yeah, when it comes to who's cheated more in this little <laughs> experiment, I've cheated way more. So, uh, But no, Troy Franklin, a great prospect out of Oregon. Super excited to see where he goes. Um, you know, I've got to eventually address the running back position. And one guy that I like is Kendry Miller. Um, came out of TCU last year when, and was selected with pretty high draft capital from the New Orleans Saints, um, but was buried beneath Alvin Kamara and Jamal Williams. He also suffered an injury heading into the season, I believe. So even when he had the opportunity in the window where Kamara was suspended, he wasn't really a factor. Um, but saw an interesting workload the f week the final week of the season against the Atlanta Falcons and you know this team has a lot of financial issues and decisions they're going to have to make so who's to say that Alvin Kamara isn't a potential cap casualty uh, I, I think he's already bypassed Jamal Williams on the depth chart so if yep. he's going to work in tandem with Alvin Kamara worst case scenario I do think he's going to have value but god forbid the Saints decide to part ways with Alvin Kamara unexpectedly or something of that nature, then all of a sudden Kendry Miller's value, you know, shoots through the roof. I think he's going to have a role, uh, but I could see that role potentially expanding um, this upcoming season. Now at the running back position, now you start taking a look at, you know, do you roll the dice because it's going to be a very, very, very interesting and loaded free agent running back class. I don't feel comfortable investing in Austin Eckler or Derrick Henry right now. I still believe, and this is this is maybe Yates, I think you're gonna tell me that I'm maybe a little bit cockeyed, optimistic, crazy on this one, but I still believe in Roshan Johnson. I Dante Foreman was on a one-year deal. I don't think he's gonna be back with the Chicago Bears. I believe that we saw moment moments where Roshan Johnson can be an effective running back. Um and I don't believe they think Khalil Herbert is really the dude. So I think that Roshan Johnson, his arrow is still pointing up. And if I'm going to invest in the running back position at this point, I still want to try to get guys that I think are going to have future roles rather than rolling the dice with veterans who are already at that age cliff. Yeah, the the interesting dynamic there, and I don't hate the Roshan Johnson pick in a vacuum. The interesting dynamic is that you now have two running backs that – they may not have starting roles next right. year, right? So like you go into next season and you have Kendra Miller and Roshan Johnson. We'll see what you can do with the rest of this draft. But, you know, you might go into next year and you may not have really a running back. But the other part of this, <laughs> the other part of this is the, you know, your dynasty league is not done at the draft, right? It is for us in this scenario of a mock draft, but this is how your team plays out. You may go into it and say, Hey, I'll, Malik neighbors gets a ridiculously fine landing spot. It's like, 
great, I'm going to trade Malik Neighbors and get, you know, a massive haul in return versus that 6-1, you know, uh, draft spot. And I'm going to get a massive haul in return and I'll use that to really fill out that running back spot. So that I would have probably gone with a Derrick Henry at that spot where to kind of balance out that youth where you at least know that you're going to get one more solid year of production from if he lands with Baltimore, right? Like if he signs with Baltimore, I think you're going to get one more year of really, really solid production. That kind of would have been the way that I played it out as a bridge to get yourself to the 2025 rookie draft because there's no running backs really worth mentioning outside of the landing cap landing spot. Uh, going into the 2024 NFL draft here at the 11 seven, I'm going to go Michael Wilson wide receiver for the Arizona Cardinals, big fan of the talent level and what he can be. Now we got to have some things kind of play out his way. Marquise Brown needs to leave in free agency for Michael Wilson to be the true wide receiver one for this NFL team. And then they need to bypass wide receiver at the number four overall draft pick. We will see if that happens. And if it does, I mean, even if they go with a Malik neighbors or Marvin Harrison Jr., I still think that there is more than enough opportunity for Michael Wilson to be at least a decent flex option. The talent levels there. If we can see this offense take another step forward with Kyler Murray back again, a year and a half plus removed from his injury, we could see really, really good things here from Michael Wilson. You're on the clock. You're at the 11-12. So you mentioned getting your third quarterback and you invested in the seventh round in a guy like Baker Mayfield, which makes sense because I, I do believe whether it's with the Buccaneers or whether it's with a quarterback needy team that Baker Mayfield's probably going to get a multi-year deal, right? I think he's probably going to get a three-year deal, maybe even four, who knows, uh, but certainly had an incredibly productive bounce back season. I still think that Derek Carr is going to be a quality depth option for the New Orleans Saints. Speaking of the Saints offense, I, I, I saw some things towards the end of the season that I actually really, I'm very encouraged with Derek Carr and his connection with Chris Olave. There's some other young pieces on that roster that I, I believe uh, could take a step forward if the team ultimately parts ways with Michael Thomas, which I do believe they will. So Derek Carr, you know, in the 11th round as my quarterback three, I'm, I'm not going to, I'm not going to get too, too, too upset about it. Going back to the running back position though, boy, boy, oh boy, it gets, it's ugly. It's yep. been ugly. <laughs> so that's why you investing with Javante Williams, Tajay Spears, and Isaiah Pacheco uh, was probably the wiser sound strategy you know, speaking of having to enter this offseason and cross your fingers, hope for the best, throw a penny into a wishing well, but I saw enough things in the very, very small sample size, and I think Antonio Pierce did too, that maybe Zamir White enters the 2024 NFL season as the leading running back uh, for the Las Vegas Raiders. Again, taking a chance on it, but I'm willing to take that chance here in the 12th round when I do need some running back depth. Yeah, I obviously like that decision there. I was looking at Zamir White here for the 12-6 selection, uh, a running back that I think is going to be the starting option. I think that they're going to bring in a pass catching compliment alongside him. You can't have Amir Abdullah as your you know complimentary option here in this sure. offense, but I think that Antonio Pierce is going to be looking to move forward with Zamir White as the lead option, and that value point right now is absolutely ridiculous for a starting running back who showed really good things when he was the starting option in Las Vegas. Uh, at the wide receiver position, looking at guys like Wandale Robinson, Dontavian Wicks, Rashad Bateman, Jonathan Mingo. I want to 
go for it. I'm going to roll the dice here with Dante Wicks. I saw some really, really good things here from him um, this past year when he got the opportunity. Now, we don't know how this wide receiver core is going to shake out. We don't know if it's going to be Romeo Dobbs and Christian Watson and Jaden Reed, or if it's going to be a combination of Wicks and Romeo Dobbs and Jaden Reed, and then Christian Watson's coming off the bench. Like, we just don't know what this offense is going to look like moving forward, which is why Wicks is down here at the 12-6. But I will go for that swing for the fence here as my wide receiver now one two three four five. Uh, this is the port. This is the point where I'm willing to take those shots. Also, didn't even talk about my ten six selection, which was Evan Ingram. Get that tight end off the board. Uh, coming off a hundred and fourteen reception season for Evan Ingram, which is just absolutely stupid. Uh, I think that you know another couple years here to be that veteran option for me, and then I will take a shot on some youth uh, with that tight end position here in a little bit. Back on the clock at the 13-7, now looking at some options like Jonathan Mango, Juju Smith-Schuster, Jalen Hyatt, Marvin Mims. I like the talent level of Jalen Hyatt, but I just kind of took that dart throw with Dontavian Wicks. I'm going to go one of the guys that I'm really looking to acquire. I mean, it's Javante Williams is a guy that I'm looking to acquire everywhere in Dynasty this offseason. Right below him is Darnell Mooney, wide receiver for the Chicago mm -hmm. Bears right now going into free agency. And I think that NFL teams that are not that do not have the money to go after Mike Evans or Michael Pittman Jr. If it's the open market would have been T Higgins, but he was just franchise tagged earlier here this morning. I think that they're going to be hunting around Darnell Mooney to be that deep threat in their offense on a one year five six million dollar deal allow him to reset his market after two years of not being utilized whatsoever by luke getsy in this offense mooney still has the talent i think that mooney is an incredibly underrated wide receiver in this league and i think that he's going to get an opportunity you talk about buffalo they're going to let gabe davis walk in free agency most likely go after darnell mooney to be your deep threat option alongside josh allen and we could see some in Incredible things here from Mooney from a fantasy perspective. We've seen it before. We've seen the potential in flashes. Just was not a part of this offense out there running wind sprints in Luke Getz's scheme. <laughs> Even if he stays in Chicago, though, this is the big thing. Even if he stays in Chicago, though, Shane Waldron coming over from Seattle, we saw what that meant for Tyler Lockett. DK Metcalf being utilized deep downfield. Mooney could step right into that role. I'm very, very excited for Mooney this offseason. All right, 13-12, you're on the clock. So I'm looking at the wide receiver position again, kind of revisit it after, you know, forcing myself to take a couple of running backs, right? Uh, who's going to be the number one receiver right now for the New England Patriots? Look, I understand it's not an exciting offense. I don't think that they're going to be even a top 20 offense production points wise, uh, certainly not through the air, but Demario Douglas showed that he could be a capable slot option, uh, can handle some volume, and I, I thought showed some encouraging things. So, uh, Demario Douglas, you know, entering his second NFL season after seeing what I saw from him in his rookie year in a terrible offensive situation, that could still be terrible, but they also could hit on a quarterback, and things get changed around there pretty quickly. Now. I'm not anticipating that, and that's why I didn't take him earlier. But in the 13th round, I'm okay getting Demario Douglas and see if he takes another step forward uh, at the wide receiver position and see if this New England offense shows signs of life post-Bill Belichick era. Now, I'm looking at the tight end position, and there's not a whole lot to get excited about. But a guy that dominates the snaps and targets from the position and if the Buccaneers do bring back Baker Mayfield and God forbid, they're not able to bring back Mike Evans. 
then maybe an uptick in targets for a 24-year-old tight end that has shown some flashes and I thought played really well in the playoffs outside of a couple drops was Kate Otten. So behind Brock Bowers, a guy that I can rotate in and could see uh, an expanded role in 2024, uh, Kate Otten, somebody that I'm not sure it's not a sexy pick, but you know, one that I think adds quality depth at this point in the draft. So Kate Otten was going to be my pick. Uh, here at the 14-6 to be that young option alongside Evan Engram. So thank you for that. Uh, my second option was going to be Zach Moss, uh, who just went off the board at the 14-5. <laughs> so doing great here. Uh, Zach Moss is someone I'm really, really intrigued with as we head into free agency because I think that a lot of dynasty managers like go out and trade for Zach Moss right now because I think a lot of dynasty managers are still thinking that he's the backup option behind Jonathan Taylor and they don't realize that he's going to be a free agent. And I think a lot of NFL teams like would it would it shock you at all? The Los Angeles Chargers are in salary cap hell right now. Would it shock you if they don't go after Saquon Barkley, Josh Jacobs at the top of the market? Instead, they go Zach Moss will give you a one year, three million dollar deal, right? Like he doesn't have the production to warrant a massive contract, but we saw what he can do when he gets that opportunity in the Indianapolis Colts offense. Zach Moss, someone that I'm absolutely interested in acquiring here this offseason uh instead i'm gonna go to the quarterback position i'm gonna get my qb4 again i talked about building depth here russell wilson aaron Rodgers are both options that are on the board however for my quarterback four i don't need a veteran option who's only going to play you know a couple more years in aaron Rodgers or russell wilson who we don't know if he's even going to be a starter this next year instead i'm going to go sam howell Sam Howell likely going to be replaced here in the NFL draft with that number two overall selection, but we saw enough from him here this past year that I think that if he does get replaced, there are going to be some NFL teams that come hunting around him and are willing to bring him in to be their bridge quarterback or to be this, you know, potentially even a starter, right? So Sam Howell here as the quarterback four for me, it's worth the dart throw. We've seen enough potential from him where I think he's going to get another shot here somewhere else. At the 15-7, let's take a look at the running back board. It's Jamal Williams, Deontay Foreman, Jarek McKinnon, Kenneth Gainwell, Dalvin Cook. Oh, Kareem Hunt, uh, Isaiah Spiller, Rashad Penny. This is pretty nasty. Uh, even going a little bit further down the board, not really names that I am excited to draft. However, I have to because I only have three running backs on my team up to this point. Let's go with Kenneth Gainwell. Uh, Kenneth Gainwell, we mm -hmm. saw enough potential from him here this past year when he was the uh, lead option in this backfield. We saw that in week one and then sprinkled throughout the rest of the year. DeAndre Swift, a pending free agent, too. So I think that we could see Kenneth Gainwell be the lead option in this backfield if they do not want to go after. And we've seen with Howie Roseman and Philadelphia, they are not going to go after the big name veteran, you know, free right. agents or anything like that. They're going to go after these guys that have the one year contracts. Kenneth Gainwell, I think he's shown enough for me to be comfortable adding him here as a depth option you're on the clock at the 15 12. you know you were going running back and i was looking at the board and there was a guy i hope you didn't take and it's keaton mitchell i thought about um, him i know we saw devon achan for the miami dolphins just absolutely you know set the fantasy world on fire from week three to week five uh before he went to ir and he still had a, a nice some nice moments to finish the year once he returned to the lineup Keaton Mitchell, though, for a very brief amount of time, looked like a guy that the Baltimore Ravens really wanted to try to get uh, the ball in his hands more and more often. And we know the Ravens, they proved it again. They're able to run the football there in Baltimore. Um, so Keaton Mitchell obviously had that injury that ended uh, his rookie campaign, but he showed me enough that he's a dart throw that I really, really like. Um, potentially heading into the 2024 season. Now, 
going back to the wide receiver position, the Buffalo Bills, right? They've got Gabe Davis, who I don't think that they're going to bring back. They've got Stefan Diggs, who we'll see what his future is there in Buffalo. I know that they've got Dalton Kincaid, but another guy that I saw some really nice flashes from was Khalil Shakur. Um, so while there is a lot to still be determined there, I'm going to go ahead and invest at, uh, into a team and an offense and a quarterback that I really think this, obviously the arrow is pointing up. So secure someone who I think could see his role expand in 2024 and beyond. Yeah, that's a great pick. He should not be on the board at the 16-1. Uh, and I didn't realize he was still there, which otherwise I would have made him a selection much, much earlier. So I love that pick up there. I'm going to go Trey Benson at the 16-6 running back, rookie running back out of Florida Ooh. State. At the time is currently my running back one. However, I've only gotten through a handful of guys as uh, through tape up to this point, And you know this. I could get to a guy at like my 10th player that I'm scouting, uh, and he could be my running back one based on this class. So not really anyone that I am overly overly excited about as far as you know guys like it was with Javante Williams coming out or you know Saquon Barkley anything like that but Trey Benson has the size at 6'1 221 pounds and moves really really well has good acceleration and start stop ability and is not afraid to lower that shoulder and be able to embrace contact and I think he's a fine receiving option as well so um and someone too that graded out really really well as far as a pass protector for me so I think he's going to get onto the field right away Trey Benson Someone that I'm willing to keep an eye on here as we move into. But again, landing spot is absolutely everything for these rookie running backs. I'm going to go another rookie running back here at the 17-7. I'm going to go Jalen Wright, the running mm. back out of Tennessee. Uh, a competent and capable receiving option out of the backfield. A very, very solid and refined pass protector. Again, those are the traits that you're looking for for these rookie running backs to get onto the field right away. So Jalen Wright, uh, the home run ability, the home run threat, and the deep speed that he has as well is really, really intriguing. Take some shots here on some of these rookie running backs at the later portion of the draft. Only one more pick for me left to go after that one. You're making your final selections here, 17-12 and 18-1. Where are you going? Yeah, I'm going to go back to cheating again. So now that we get the chance to kind of maybe take a look at some, some rookies that are kind of flying off the flying under the radar, I would call it. There's two guys that kind of stand out. There's one who led the nation in receptions from the University of Virginia. He spent the first four years of his career, uh, collegiate career, at Northwestern, and that's Malik Washington. This dude is an NFL-ready slot player coming right out of the draft. And he's undersized, which is why I believe he's flying under the radar. But he's 195 pounds of just yoked up type of dude. Uh, plays physical, physical at the line of scrimmage, um, has some limitations though, because I don't think he's going to be able to operate on the outside, just doesn't have the size, doesn't have the length. He could struggle in some contested catch situations, but the man is certainly not afraid of contact or over the middle of the football field. He is a yak machine and, you know, he led the wide, led all wide receivers in college football with misforced tackles. So, and this was in the Virginia offense, this kid can play and another kid that can play that I really didn't know exactly what to expect, but saw some very encouraging things over at the senior bowl was the wide receiver from the university of Florida, Ricky Pearsall. And I bring up these two guys Yates, because what was the kind of the skill set that we saw Excel going into the NFL, or at least off the radar 
in Puka Nakua last year, right? A guy that can win in the slot, win at the line of scrimmage, and create after the catch. You know, Malik Washington and Ricky Pearsall, if we're looking for late-round wide receivers who have an NFL-ready skill set that they can carve out a role in an offense immediately, I have I feel very confident about these two guys, even though they're not in the top tiers uh, as far as the receiver prospects in this class. I think both of these guys can contribute to NFL offenses very early in their careers. So Malik Washington and Ricky Pearsall are two guys that I'm going to be keeping a close eye on heading into the 2024 upcoming rookie dynasty rookie drafts. Word, word vomit. Apologies. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Final pick here for me at the 18-6. Uh, I've only got one tight end on the roster. I'm going to go with Jawan Johnson here. Uh, I mean, the other options that I'm looking at are like Irv Smith, Gerald Everett, Luke Schoonmaker, uh, Noah mm-hmm. Fant. I mean, it's just it's not pretty. Uh, so definitely would have liked to get that second tight end here a little bit earlier. But I'll go with Jawan Johnson. We've seen the flashes and potential from him in this offense before. Uh, sort of tailed off towards the end of last year, but I think that the potential is certainly there going into next year as well. Juwan Johnson to be my tight end too to wrap up this draft at the 18-6. All right, that will do it here. Again, you can see the full draft board over at youtube.com slash at PFN Fantasy. Uh, you can see all the picks laid out here in a beautiful format, thanks to Sleeper. Derek, mm-hmm. again, what are you looking for here in the NFL Combine? Give me another sleeper name to keep an eye on here. You talked about Malik Washington and Pearsall. Give me a sleeper name to keep an eye on. Oh, another couple guys to to keep an eye on. I I don't I don't know if I would consider them sleepers, but uh, I really wanted to see more of the Senior Bowl from Devon Tez Walker. Tez Walker from North Carolina, certainly a guy that is going to be on my radar in the second round. A tight end that. I guess you can kind of call him a tight end. He's kind of like an H-back, too, is Jaheim Bell from Florida State. Mm. Um, Jatavion Sanders is kind of the widely regarded as the second tight end on most people's boards behind Brock Bowers. Jaheim Bell is certainly a player that really, really intrigues me. Another guy that absolutely tore up the senior bowl practices and the one-on-ones was Roman Wilson of Michigan. Very interested to see what he runs the 40 in the Michigan wide receivers and offense. They just didn't ask their receivers to do a whole lot. They predominantly ran the offense through Blake Corum and Blake Corum. And they, you know, leaned on a, a, an elite defense. Um, But Roman Wilson can play. So I'm very interested to see how he tests. Those are, you know, three guys that I'm kind of keeping my eye on uh, heading into the combine. All right, absolutely love that. It is dynasty season, folks. Make sure that you're going over to pfnfantasy.com for all the latest dynasty content here from us and the team over at Pro Football Network. All right, that'll do it for Derek Tate. I'm Kyle Yates. Thanks for watching, and we'll see you next time.